Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. I am Demetrius Malbro, your host and chief data protection chef, and I am honored to bring you more gumbo of insights and information about data protection today. And today on Data Protection Gumbo, I would like to introduce to you Dave Russell. Dave is Vice President and Distinguished Analyst of Storage Technologies and Strategies at Gartner for about the last 15 years. Now Dave started his backup career back in 1989 and has held a host of positions from managing an undergraduate computing lab, backup software mainframe developer at IBM, and also development manager of ADSM and Tivoli Storage Manager, which is now Spectrum Protect, and also in charge of architecture and technical strategy for IBM's storage software solutions. So, welcome to the Gumbo, Dave. Hey, I'm great, Demetrius. Hope you're well. I am fantastic. So let's go ahead and jump into the questions here. Really uh, exciting show lined up. So let's let's go ahead and start with why are companies replacing their current backup applications? Yeah, there's a variety of reasons, and sometimes this varies a little bit by what kind of organization they are or what size of an organization they are. But interestingly enough, the same top pain points aren't so dissimilar now from many years ago. Uh, gosh, going on eight years ago, I wrote a piece of research that basically talked about what I called the three C's and the top three reasons people switched. And it was cost, complexity, and capability. Okay. If I go back in time a number of years, capability was a big one. You know, I just don't believe my backup solutions keeping pace. Maybe doesn't handle virtualization particularly well. Now, today, for most organizations, cost is the number one, and then usability or capability, meaning like the administrative experience, is number two. Okay. Wow. Cost, capability, and what's the second one? And complexity. And or, complexity. You know, just, okay. Yeah, I, the, I just came up with you know alliteration there of three C's. You, know, you could call it usability, but and it's complexity not so much from the end user or the application owner experience, but complexity from can the people charged with keeping the backup infrastructure on a day in day out basis keep it up and going. You know, the care and feeding oh, yeah. just to maintain steady state is not a slam dunk for most organizations. Right, yeah. That, that that's definitely I would say three big ones. So cost, complexity and capability. So cost, of course, CIO, he's he's the main one concerned with cost and you know, a system administrator or backup administrator not too concerned with cost. Um Back in my days, I was only concerned with keeping the lights on and making sure that the environment um, kept me up uh, at night as little as possible. So that probably would fall under capability. Um, the next question would be, so, so do you really think that organizations, you know, because there's all of this talk about cloud, and I don't think we'll, we will ever uh, stop hearing that, that term cloud. Do, do you think that organizations will continue to move their backup data to the cloud, even amidst the rising threat of ransomware and some of the other security concerns of cloud safety? Yeah, you know, the short answer is yes, but, you know, the devil's always in the details, right? So if I 
decompose that a little bit, you know, what the cloud actually means, even in the context of backup, gets kind of interesting here because, you know, cloud could mean software as a service, you know, so Salesforce for sure, Office 365. Mm-hmm. And from a backup perspective, do we need more to protect those applications? Yes, natively, they're doing some level of capability, meaning protection, but some organizations decide they want even more availability, more backup and recovery, and want to pull back their own copy of that data. So even though it's born off-premises or software as a service, they want to exploit some other additional cloud backup capability. Then there's kind of two other pieces also born in the cloud, but it's more infrastructure as a service. You know, do I need to go protect that activity that I'm doing out in, say, Amazon? And maybe native snapshots from AWS are enough, but maybe they're not. And then the one that we most typically think of, the third one, is do I send on-premise workload to public cloud? And, you know, what kind of fashion might that look like? Meaning, do I just go directly to cloud? Do I have a, a copy still on my local site? And, you know, what kind of workload is that? Meaning desktop, laptop, remote office. Much more high likelihood that's going directly to the cloud today. But if you think about applications in the data center, it's still kind of an emerging area where that might optionally be being sent to the cloud, in which case we kind of look at it like potentially supplanting or even replacing what we used to think of with tape, where we'd make a copy and then physically vault it. Now we're potentially electronically vaulting it. But the net net of that is, I think, in that especially that last one, that dist-to-dist-to-cloud notion, I think we will see more and more of that, particularly as a lot of organizations, they don't have a secondary site to be able to send to. And they want to be able to offer greater degree of availability and geographic independence from some sort of threat, be it man-made, as you point out, with ransomware or natural. Okay, great. Yeah, so you, you went ahead and, and threw out that, that term, which I was going to save until the final question, the four-letter word that we all love so much in backup, right? No, I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about the other one, tape. So... What what do you say to all of those people out there that still thinks tape is dead or it's dying, Dave? You know, I I always say I will go to my grave as maybe the last tape apologist. You know, I, I <laughs> at the end of the day, any tape technology or any technology overall, you know, it's a capability. It's not inherently good or bad. Over time, some of these things become more or less favorable. So, you know, do I think there's a rise of tape in the, quote, typical data center? No, I don't. But absolutely the other end of the spectrum, you know, it's like the old Mark Twain notion, right? The, the tale of its demise has been greatly exaggerated. So I'm coming up on 13 years at Gartner. When I first did my poll in a, in a backup uh, session at a conference, of the people were writing directly to tape for their backup data. This is in 2005. Now, when I pulled that most recently, about a half a year ago, it was only 7% were backing up directly to tape. Wow. But 37% were doing disk-to-disk to to tape. So if you add that up, quick math, well, okay, 43% of generally a bit larger to upper mid-size enterprise 
organizations, 43% still have tape in their process. And, and bear in mind, Demetrius, I didn't ask the question of everything you're doing. I asked the question simply, which best describes your most used backup methodology? So, you know, you might be doing a couple of different types of approaches, but if I had to pin you down and say, what's most representative of what you're doing? 43% came back having tape. And that doesn't fully belie the story of who knows what your cloud provider is doing, because one area where tape is growing besides long-term record retention and archiving is in the cloud. Azure uses a lot of tape. Google uses a lot of tape. And they're not measuring in terabytes. They're not measuring in petabytes. They're measuring in exabytes. Wow. Okay. So, Sure. Yeah, I think it's really funny when some of these disk-only solutions come out, what's oftentimes one of the first requests they get? Supporting physical tape. And I don't think it's because that's the medium of ideal first target, or I don't call it, you know, the, your desired first level of restore. In fact, I'll sometimes say tape might be your recovery of last resort. Right. But it could be your insurance policy to your insurance policy. At the point you feel like you've got to go to another offline piece of media, either you've lost your data or you've lost confidence in the data that you've got such that that piece of media, which could well be tape at this point, is your only known good version of data. Right, and you go back to your 3C approach, your your first C is cost. You know, that's definitely, you know, one category that makes cost really, really um, appeasing, right, or pleasing. Yes. Yeah, and I sometimes, you know, I understand, I hear a lot of the complaints around tape, particularly what I'll call departmental tape, you know, it's not the most robust uh, of solution. It hasn't been well maintained. You know, no cleaning cartridges, no, you know, up, upkeep of some of the uh, mechanical components. So we're, I come out on when the side of tape gets blamed for so many things, some of which are human-related. Now, absolutely, you know, we have to eject the tape, have to, you know, human has to go and move that, maybe make it available for a vaulting service. So that's not going to be the ideal situation in, say, today's remote office. You know, years ago, if you had a DLT, AIT tape in a remote office and you were relying on literally maybe the secretary to press the right keystrokes to make the backup and then eject that, that that's a huge opportunity for failure. Right. So I would say, well, today's day and age, you know, electronically vault that data on the other hand, you're a very large data center. You've got to keep data for a long period of time. You've got robotics. You have a very well-honed process and infrastructure. Exactly to your point, well, the cost structure is very, very attractive. And actually, the failure rate of tape from a, a bit error rate perspective is far more appealing than that of hard disk. Yeah, I've, I've heard lots of studies on, on tape, and I've even had a couple individuals on, on the show here, you know, talking about tape and literally battling it out as far as, you know, disc versus tape and which one is better or greater. So I guess we can all have a conversation until we blew in the face about it, right? So, but I, I definitely had some, some challenging times when I had to manage, um, tape libraries and dealing with TSM and having storage tech tape libraries and had to integrate, you know, storage tech 
uh, into Tivoli Storage Manager and using another product that was out there and running ACSLS commands. And it just yeah. got really complex. So I would rather not deal with it, but, you know, it still has its place, right? So so, so moving kind of a little bit forward and taking probably one of your other answers or statements and asking you, I guess, what advice would you give to a CIO with a new budget who was ready to revolutionize his backup infrastructure and, and maybe his staff, you know, from that reactive culture to more of a proactive one? Yeah, you know, I think it's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, I kind of first came into backup and recovery and the, basically 1990 and on um, the mainframe world, it was pretty binary, meaning you protected it or, you know, backed it up or you really, you did not. And obviously we've gotten a little more nuanced. You know, we might have different levels of retention. Maybe some things we're doing, you know, snapshot based recovery initially, et cetera. But I think the big thing to consider is, you know, what's the value of the workload you're protecting? And so literally the call I had just before this one was, you know, a pretty advanced group. They were 97% in the cloud, mm. meaning even their apps, whether it was SaaS or they had gone to infrastructure as a service. I mean, obviously, that's that kind of one end of the spectrum today. So the only 3% left was on a hyper-converged solution, and they were looking to minimize that. But yet they still wanted to talk about the 3%. Ironically, the whole conversation was about that 3% that they thought was in the decline, but they knew that backup was important. So I said, well, you know, really the way you have to triangulate this is you know, what's the importance or business value of your data? What's the threat potential that you think you might experience, you know, disaster-wise, meaning a, a man-made threat, a physical threat, a power outage, or something of the like? And frankly, how much effort and cost are you willing to throw at the problem to try to minimize or, or even obviate the need of, or to get through that kind of a, an issue. You know, if you kind of go through this little triangle, you know, at the end of the day, backup is about how much data you're willing to lose. And if the answer truly is none, and I'm not willing to, you know, take a discontinuity for very long, if I'm a CIO, then boy, I got to be thinking about, hmm, do I need to move my infrastructure to a, a more robust location? And frankly, if you're a CIO, you're probably already inclined to be thinking more this is moving towards public cloud and or software as a service. Right. So do I need to continue? Do I need a three-year renewal? You know, most backup software is still on a three-year renewal period, although some vendors pushing four and five years. If you and I were, let's say, co-CIOs, and we don't know necessarily a lot about backup, but we, we understand dollars and cents, so we understand the strategy of our data center. And someone said, hey, Demetrius and Dave, do we want you to renew for not just hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars for half a decade to keep doing business as usual? I think we'd have to step back and say, well, I don't want to lock into that kind of, of a cost structure and that kind of term. You know, I think what I need to do is, you know, maybe triage this a little bit. What, if anything, do I need to do to protect my rising software-as-a-service investment? What, if anything, do I need to protect my infrastructure-as-a-service activity? And what, if anything, is going to be left on-premise? Naturally, I think it's greater than zero for most organizations. So then what's the 
best kind of an approach for what's on-premise. Some people are already deciding, you know, I will just do a little bit of business as usual, but try to incrementally save costs. Other people are saying, you know, business as usual is just flat out not working. I need a better mousetrap. You know, I need an easier-to-use backup application. I need easier-to-use infrastructure. You know, your point, great point about, look, TSM and ACSLS and STK, and let's try to integrate that. And a couple weeks later, oh, we got a backup. Boy, that's intolerable in this day and age. But we see these kind of issues even when we talk about deduplication appliances and the proliferation of them, the manage of many of different solutions. So long story short, I think you've got to step back and say, where's the workload going to reside? What time frame do we think there's going to be a shift in where it resides? How critical is that workload? And then let's address what's on-premise today, sort of what's our current methodology and say, boy, is now the time to be considering a different approach? For most organizations, it's almost a rhetorical question. Yeah, we think this can be better. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And being co-CIO that I've been you know, designated that, that title by you, Dave, um, one thing that I can say that I, that I see right now that's happening in the market is that, you know, disk is definitely uh, increasing a lot. And Flash, of course, has changed the game quite a bit, uh, especially since virtualization hit the scene. Uh, with VMware and, you know, a lot of companies going virtual and things are moving into the cloud. Just kind of looking into the future a little bit, I like to uh, put my, my future thinking hat on from time to time. So uh, I want to ask you this question. Do, do you think that, I would just say storage hardware, right, like storage subsystems, you have the big EMCs of the world and, you know, some of your other players and, and vendors that store data. Do you think that storage hardware and virtualization will collide together and eventually work to replace today's backup hardware and software? You know, I was of the belief about six years ago or so that that was definitely where we were headed. Um, You know, just to give you an illustrative example, Mm -hmm. NetApp certainly kind of pioneered, you know, their Snap Manager solution years ago with application integration. Uh, so I, I saw more activity taking place going down that path. Now you fast forward, and I look at some things like Recovery Manager Central from Hewlett Packard Enterprise, a protect point from now Dell EMC. Uh, you, you certainly have the hyperconverged vendors and Nutanix and SimpliVity with some in, innate capabilities themselves. And here we are, years later, a lot of different options, and clearly it hasn't radically supplanted what we typically see in most data centers, big or small, frankly. And why is that? Well, I think part of the reason is, you know, you think about what, like, some some of the array management capabilities offer, it is a more efficient data capture, data transfer mechanism than most backup software, but it doesn't necessarily have all of the application integration, hypervisor integration, robust reporting, roles-based access and control, which is actually becoming more important, to your point earlier about ransomware. All all of the other things that really make a robust backup solution robust typically are lacking there. So, you know, it becomes now this decision point. Is the answer, let's make some of these 
storage hardware and virtualization-based solutions much more sophisticated and feature-rich? Or is really the answer is maybe we don't need as much of feature capability as we historically had, and the name of the game is really just get the data capture, data transfer optimized. At the end of the day, I see a role for where data capture can be leveraged from the hypervisor, frankly, from the application. I mean, who knows better about Oracle database than, than Oracle itself? So if they could pass cues on to wherever the data could be captured, that would certainly seem advantageous. But long story short, in the next handful of years, I don't see radical sort of rise of the infrastructure layer, be that the hardware, the virtualization, supplanting traditional backup and recovery. And I don't mean to suggest that there's no advances taking place backup and recovery, but that notion of a standalone backup capability does seem like it's going to be here to stay for longer than, frankly, even I thought was going to be the case. Yeah, I'm, what, what I'm really getting at is kind of the um, converged, you know, you got to mm-hmm. love that word, hyper-converged uh, storage subsystem, right? So you take the, the backup software and you integrate it into, let's say, a um, storage subsystem. And basically, you, you have, you know, one, one throw at the choke, and you have everything kind of integrated and scheduled all together, right? So that, that leads me into my next question. And I'm, I'm really a big buff as far as following, you know, what's happening in the future, like right now. Uh, one thing I see as well, and IBM is really huge on this, you know, they, they have uh, IBM Watson, you know, which they are teaching Watson, you know, and giving it information, feeding it information. Um, I think they acquired a portion of the Weather Channel, so not only weather data, so they're feeding it all of this data, all of this information. So that this gets to uh, AI or artificial intelligence. Now, I haven't seen a lot of companies out there starting to integrate artificial intelligence or AI into the backup world. But, you know, dreaming, yes, I, I can definitely see AI making its way into the backup and recovery industry. Do, do, you, do you think that that could be a possibility coming up really soon here? Or have you seen any of it? Well, I've seen some try to suggest that they are doing that, not always describing as AI, oftentimes as more predictive analytics. Mm -hmm. Frankly, predictive analytics is just mining the past, so it's not that that doesn't have value. I don't want to suggest that, but to your point, there's a difference between sort of fast scanning historical information and actual future-looking capability. I think whether we want to call it machine learning or artificial intelligence, there's really no doubt in my mind that that's the approach that we're going to see baked into a lot of infrastructure and operations capabilities, even beyond backup recovery or data availability overall, you know, from a, a daily ops perspective as well, that the human is not scaling to nearly the same degree capability as the footprint of the data desire to access it faster and you know arguably the environments are getting far more complex because you know you mentioned hyperconverged that's certainly one solution to try to simplify it but one of the competing forces is just how hybrid we are 
you know, edge computing, cloud computing, all the instances of what cloud computing could really be. The legacy doesn't go to just zero on-prem, you know, overnight. So I think getting to the point where something can understand the environment much more rapidly and offer increasingly more accurate suggestions, and as we get comfortable with that, the administrators allowing the solution to self-remediate any kind of issues is probably going to have to be the path that we go down because you and I and, and everyone else listening out there, there's not enough of us to go around. Right, we've got to literally. It's one of those we got to work smarter, not harder kind of things. I think we would all agree we're working pretty hard. Yeah. So another one of my dreams is that wouldn't it be nice, you know, for all of your different applications to really think for themselves? So if let's say we have an Oracle database and it's doing its thing, and we get to the point where you know the Oracle database knows that it's an Oracle database, so. I need to protect myself, right? So since I need to protect myself, let me go ahead and copy or back up my data to another location. Oh, I see that I have another system connected here and I can reach it and you know all of my credentials are are set. So let's go ahead and, and do that instead of you know having to integrate another system into it to actually pull and scan information and the two really don't know about each other so you know that's kind of where i see the future is that you know applications will know everything that that they need to know about themselves and also be able to protect themselves as well i know we may be you know we could be 10 20 30 40 50 years out you know with this type of technology but it's definitely uh, something that I think can happen, and we might start to see something, you know, in that category really soon. Who knows? Um, any any closing um, statement that you would like to leave with the listeners, or anything interesting that you would like to um, leave with them? Well, you know, I think just give a big plus one to what you just said. You know, I while I think it's happening slower than what I anticipated, you know, years ago. I, I'm very much of the same line of thinking you are. I mean, just simplistically, you know, for those of the folks listening that are programmers, you know, you think of object-oriented programming. And for a long time now, I've thought, well, wouldn't it be nice not to have availability be this sort of bolt-on, highly orthogonal activity? What if the object was data itself? And one of the methods was availability, which could, you know, fan out into protection, disaster recovery, et cetera. But what, you know, basically data go protect yourself versus someone else in the organization creates the data. And oh, by the way, now that might be a business unit, not even someone in the data center per se. And then folks like you and me are supposed to come along and one, know that it's even out there. And then two, try to figure out a way to protect it after infrastructure and applications have been deployed and data has been created. That just seems radically inefficient. So I definitely agree with, you know, the future state as you predicted, and I'd like to see it happen. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a book, the an old book called The World is Flat, right? So it, it kind of makes me think that the data center is getting flatter, right? So <laughs> as it gets flatter, everything will begin to know that it exists and like you said you know be able to you know initiate disaster recovery and to also protect and to do all of those other things instead of having a boat on solution so 
I, I really, really appreciate you joining the uh, the show, Dave. And you know, I think we we all able to take away some some great insight from uh, this conversation. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you coming on Data Protection Gumbo. Hey, thank you, Demetrius. Big fan of the podcast, and thrilled to be here with you. Thank you so much for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. I appreciate it. Have a great one, and see you next time.